1: When he was fresh out the hospital, like Antoine, when he said, Welcome to anything is possible. Boston Celtics podcast here on the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm your host, Sam Jam Packard, professional sports fan, and I'm joined by El Nino himself, the kid, the god, the legend who is cracking a Coca Cola because he's ready to podcast, folks. We are here in the depths of the TV garden after the Celtics absolutely destroy the Philadelphia 76ers in game seven, winning 112 to 88. Jason Tatum sets a game seven playoff record with 51 points. And this game just got completely blown open in the third quarter. The Celtics outscore the 76ers 33 to 10. Jay, I thought the the Celtics were kind of running away with the game midway through the second quarter. Joel and B kind of looked tired. You mean Harden the sixers
2: did. were running away with the game or the Celtics were running away with the game. I, 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 midway through the second or midway through the third. Midway
1: through the second, I was feeling very confident as a Celtics fan. I was okay. like they had it. Joel looks tired. He's only flailing getting kind of uh, getting to the line. I did not expect the kind of explosion and the absolute dominance from Jason Tatum in the third quarter, but that was just a truly, truly special performance from him uh, where he just was just going at Joel Embiid every single time. And the Celtics, they were just fantastic tonight.
2: Yeah, and you could tell they wanted to go at Joel Embiid. But you could tell they wanted to push the pace. Marcus Smart, after the game, said that when they started to push the pace in the second quarter, like you were talking about, he said you could see Embiid start to get tired. And it felt like the Celtics could sense that and just kind of went for the kill. And you could see the whole second quarter. So the game flipped on its head when Harden had that flagrant foul. He was going in. It could have been a 10 point lead if he had made the layup. Instead, he loses it out of bounds, hits Jalen Brown when he's flailing his arm. And within like within 28 seconds, it goes from eight could have been 10 to two. And then you could, it was just like. Everything just kind of started to snowball for the Celtics from there. The third quarter was just like the Sixers hit a three to tie it on the first possession of the third quarter. And then it was utter dominance. 33 to 5 run. Jason Tatum just blitzed them with three-pointers. He had the some defensive plays. He had the where he pressed out on, I think it was Melton and forced a shot clock violation. They had the other shot clock violation when Joel Embiid, like just heaved something at the buzzer. It was, you could, you could sense the Celtics just went for the kill after realizing in the second, like, all right, they are, they are wobbling a little bit. Let's go for it here. Yeah. And it felt like, I don't know exactly what the,
1: the 70s or like the Celtics did to make the 76ers quit, but like, James Harden was just not aggressive in the pick and roll. Joel Embiid was not, like, getting a lot of touches. It felt like in the third quarter when the 76ers only scored, you mentioned that three, they basically scored five points the rest of the quarter. They got the they got to points nine and ten in that quarter once Joel Embiid and, uh, has been taken out, uh, I guess, to rest. But they just weren't going – neither of them were aggressive. It felt like they were trying to, like, okay, we're going to win the game on quarter threes. We're going to try and just, like, spray the ball around – and it worked for the first quarter where P.J. Tucker was three of five, but just complete lack of aggression from Embiid and Harden. And at this point, it feels mean from like a Celtics fan perspective, but it's like that is both of their playoff reputations at this point to just like melt away and not step up when you needed like when their teams needed them. And I just was like, it was just very confusing, but not at all surprising to just see neither of them be at all aggressive. There in the third quarter, and the Celtics obviously deserve a lot of credit for uh, defensively of just making it hard on them. But it, the, the, for all the the process trusting where they're supposed to be going on the ten year anniversary of all of that, they just didn't seem like they were engaged in uh, like at all in
2: the third quarter. Oh, yeah, they had to do a lot, and the Celtics really sold out to take those guys away. And early in the first quarter, it looked like the Seventy Sixers might punish them for that. Tucker got a bunch of open looks. He made three three-pointers in the first, had 11 points, which was two off his season high for any game just in the first quarter alone. And so it felt like, you know, the 76ers almost figured some stuff out about going attacking against the Celtics' double big lineup. And I thought the Celtics' offense was bad early. There was bad oh, shots. They were, they were
1: forcing stuff. Terrible rim reads and just, like, really – Just not they're they're
2: driving very well but the kick game was terrible yeah and they had it took their offense a while to get going the only guy who really had it going from the start was tatum and i thought even with tatum it was like he scored a lot he drew some fouls but it was like he's he's often a very good decision maker on drives and he's the one who starts their driving kick game and everything for them early was just going to the basket. There was no driving kick. I think you tweeted it at one point. Like, they're doing a lot of driving. It'd be cool if they do some kicking too. Yeah. And uh, But it was it was interesting how they went at Embiid. And it felt like they, they used that as a strategy during parts of the series. To go at him and then hope that later in the game it would make an impact. And tonight it was like they went at him to go at him. Well, he and, blocked the shit out of Jason Tatum in the first quarter. Like, absolutely destroyed him. It he was like, did do oh. that. And, but, like, the more they went at him, the more success Tatum had. And he was, I mean, that third quarter, he was just basically targeting beat time after time after time. And that there's nothing that, like, the Sixers could do. They would sometimes bring over
1: another help defender. And it's like Al Horford would just get to the middle of the floor. He hit Jalen Brown twice for wide-open threes. Um, there's just Jason Tatum was clearly just feeling it tonight, and the step back three is it was a huge shot, but just he was taking it to Embiid at the rim in a way that just felt like, especially earlier in the series where Embiid was was like such a good rim deterrent, and there was no kind of fear there anymore. I think just I have in my notes 650 left in the second quarter. Embiid's gassed, Tatum's driving, and I just thought Embiid's like help around the rim and just him being a rim protector was just not there and the Celtics were clearly playing with a lot more energy, a lot more pace. They were running the ball up the court. The Sixers did a good job I thought like they went on like a 5-0 run with a maxi 3 and um uh Tobias uh Harris layup and like they kind of made the game closer at half than it was but like Embiid was clearly just gassed at that point and it felt like once once the Celtics got realized that that was the case there was just no turning back and they just kind of they went in for the kill in a way that um it's kind of crazy. Like, where was this in game five? Or where was this against the Hawks of game five last year? Like, they clearly had this kind of like switch.
2: And obviously, you know, See, the- I think, I think in this series, honestly, I don't think it was about that. I think the 76ers made them doubt themselves and really made them like find out more about themselves. Like, that was not, not game. I, Game one, the Celtics thought they just like let one go. Game, that was the Anthony Melton game. Game four, they played great. And then in the fourth quarter to come back and then just totally screwed up. There you go, Grandy. Screwed up like two key plays down the stretch that cost them that game. But game five, the 76ers came in and were just awesome. And I felt like the Celtics were just pressing. They had to like. It was it was a weird energy around them where it felt like they just needed to kind of regain their, their confidence, their flow again. And I thought going to Robert Williams helped. Um, he's someone who just brings them a totally different energy when he's on the court. And they can trust in that defense no matter what. And then once Tatum saw that three going, and he said it tonight, he said, I was so wrapped up in game six he was too locked in yeah he said he was too locked in but you could feel it like the celtics locker room before game six and i think even like after game five like you could tell they just got tight and they needed to like break through and see some success and then once they did it was like it was just a wave they was like you know those movies where you like a bunch of people are like ramming the the like the, door the like, thing into the door. Yes. The the big old, like... A battering ram? B- the battering ram into the door. And it was like, once they finally got that door open, it was like everybody charged through and it was just a wave. But until that moment, like, they were in a fight for their season. I, I think they left this series with respect for how much the Sixers kind of had forced them to, to reconfigure things. Because that was that was no easy series. Like the Celtics had to take just gut shots. <laughs> like how many how many shots to the gut did they take? Game one was a shot to the gut. Game four, shot to the gut. Game five, absolutely Mollywap. Game, the game six. Four, six even, yeah. The the first the third quarter of game six was like they needed to to really dig deep in that one. And uh today even they're down eight in the first half. And at that point, like Tucker's making threes, they could have wobbled, but instead, they went on the attack. And from then, it was just like you could see they just like even when it was nine, ten, still you could see Tatum was just different. He was like Al was there was up they were up twelve. It was seventy to fifty eight, and Al was calling for cheers from the crowd. I, f- I forget what had just happened. Um, they just gave up a bucket. It was like it wasn't he inbounding the ball from underneath. Maybe it was a 24-second violation. They had had gotten a stop, and Al was asking for cheers, and Horford was either smile or I mean Tatum was either smiling or laughing and clapping like crazy. And then he came off and didn't even pass and just hit a three. And it was like At
1: one point there was a someone made a three and he was doing the wild guitar windmill. Like he was like, (laughs) I've I've never seen the guitar windmill. I thought he was doing the wave em home Wendell. No, no, he's playing a guitar there. Uh but like yeah, I like. The, the relaxed Jason Tatum was just completely in the zone today. And um, you called out the crowd. Jalen Brown called out the crowd for Game 5. Unclear which one had a bigger impact on kind of them showing up today.
2: Some would say it was, it was my doing that the
1: crowd. They, they did play Jalen's quote on the Jumbotron pregame. They did not play audio from our podcast. Um, but that's a game ops issue. That's uh, – my brother texted me around three today and said, Is the is the crowd drunk enough? And I certainly think they showed up to they showed up to play today.
2: You gotta give credit to the team. It, it was crowd. a huge crowd. And I could tell even I walked over to the arena. I got there at like one-ish for the three thirty game. And even by then you could tell it was like the the vibe was different than it has been recently. And obviously it's a Sunday, so everyone was on Causeway, but it was like people were amped up, cheering, Let's go Celtics already at one o'clock. Outside the garden. So I could you could tell it was and it was a huge crowd. Like that was a crazy crowd. I got I'm burping over here because of my
1: Coca-Cola. Um, do you think the big turning moment in the game? We already mentioned the flagrant foul, but I'm gonna take us a, a few minutes uh, before that. Start of the second quarter, two, three calls kind of go the, the uh Sixers way. Derek White gets called for a kind of a, a bogus call, I would say, on James Harden. And Joe Mazzulla just basically runs out onto the court. He, and it was un, he did not call a timeout. It was very unclear what he was doing out on the court. But he was in the middle of the court. And I think all of the referees just kind of looked over. And was They were ready to ta- like give him a tech. And he was like, no, no, I called a timeout. But he was – it was a wild move. It was the kind of angriest I've seen Joe Mazzulla in a – but he was – he stormed the court basically. And was, I don't
2: think he called a timeout before doing so. He must have called a timeout. No, I don't think he did. All three he referees looked back at him out. like, "What the hell are you doing on the court?" And so I think the jumbotron said it was a challenge. <laughs> the, the, Eddie Paladino announced a challenge. There was no challenge. It was just a timeout, and Missoula lost it. Like he he's been Mister Play It Cool all year round. Like Mister Let Them Figure It Out all year round. And in that moment, he called timeout. He fucking lit – sorry, Grady. He lit up the referees, like was just berating them. And then he always, in a timeout, talks to the three assistant coaches and they'll figure out what they're going to say. He stands there, players address each other, and then Joe comes over. There was none of that. He went right over to the players, like veins are popping out of his neck. He's, he's yelling at guys. He's like in their faces and you could tell he he said later and he was just trying to tell, tell them to stay the course. And, uh, and basically like we need to have better offensive execution. Our defense is fine. Um, this is going to be tough. And you could see in that moment, he was like, it's time to fucking not let them figure it out anymore. Like, this is fucking time. I need to figure this out. I need to change things for them right now. This doesn't count as swearing, by the way,
1: because you're paraphrasing what Joe Mazzulla was saying. And so, I didn't even know I had <laughs> swearing.
2: But uh, I, guess, I guess I'll swear from time to time. Can we talk about knowing. the other crazy moment
1: in the second quarter where we already talked about the flagrant foul? About two minutes after that, Jalen and Harden are going for a ball in the corner. And – George's Niang, just, uh, just a little casual grab on, on Jalen trying to uh, go back. Jalen just completely stops the, uh, and just starts screaming at the bench. Rob Williams comes back, basically leaves the possession three on five. Play has to be stopped, but just a wild move from, uh, Methuen native George's Niang. And I think, uh, I think it's just like in the Methuen culture to do that. That is a unnecessary <laughs> shot at Methuen. I, I think George has uh,
2: brought it on himself by uh, grabbing someone from the bench. He should have been ejected. That's not you're not something you're not you're We, not lear- to we learned tonight that grabbing someone from the bench is a great move. Oh Every yeah. If the other team is going in transition the other way, that's why he should. You he should absolutely should, gra- should have been ejected. It was a double tech. There was no punishment to the Sixers basically for George Niang grabbing Jalen Brown. They just got double taxed and obviously, the tech on Jalen Brown is a worth lot more, more than a tech yeah. on George Nyang. So, really, that was just a brilliant move to wipe out a transition opportunity. I, I think we got to give Methuen native George Nyang credit for an innovative way to to stop a uh, transition play. I take it back, Methuen. You're uh, the home of innovators. I yeah. did
1: love Jalen Brown's response, like talking about it after the game. He's like, oh, and then here comes old Scott Foster <laughs> calling a tech on me, not reviewing the situation whatsoever. Uh, uh, he was equally as dumbfounded as how that kind of situation played out and it resulted in a double tech. But after that, that happened when it was 33 35. And then, you know, they kept on taking over. And then it's just the, the third quarter happened. And it was just, I just have in my notes, Tatum over and beat again, Tatum over and beat again. Sixers go zone, Tatum three. It was like every time the Sixers tried to do something to counter, it was just like, oh, there's another three. Sixers try to switch something up. Oh, Malcolm Brogdon. Like, they're just not going to guard Malcolm Brogdon on an inbound, and he gets an open three. Derrick, like, the Celtics, it's kind of crazy. Up until that Malcolm Brogdon three, I don't think had any points from the bench whatsoever. It was entirely Tatum, Jalen,
2: and then I guess Al made a three in the first quarter. But the, they won. The Celtics won a lot of games this year because of their depth. They won tonight because their best two players in Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown were just much better than the 76ers' best players. That's what it came down to. And obviously, the Celtics' defense had a lot to do with that. They Starting Robert Williams in Game 6 totally changed the looks that the 76ers were able to get, totally changed the comfort level that Embiid and Harden were able to to produce for themselves earlier in the series and but at the same time it's like they had no answers for Jason Tatum. They tried double teaming him. They tried you know having Embiid come out to guard him. They they tried switching. They tried they they tried Daniel House at one point just bringing him into the game see if they could change the energy. Didn't work. There was there was nothing they could do with Tatum and it was clear and beat at least, and probably Harden too. Just kind of ran out of steam. They had, uh, I don't know if they ended up with more turnovers than made field goals t- combined. But after three quarters, I believe it was nine turnovers and seven made field goals for the two of them. And nine turnovers, eight made field goals. Uh, to yeah, finish the game. And and some of the turnovers were just like ugly ones. Uh, Like Harden just kind of like tripping and throwing it out of bounds. It, it, It was a great, great performance from the Celtics defense, but I honestly felt like as much as anything, it was they made those guys work defensively. And once the Sixers just ran out of steam, it was just a wave. It really, it was just a wave. Just a wave of Tatum beating Embiid.
1: Over and over and over
2: again, possession after
1: possession after possession. Um, pretty much after that, Tobias three, it was just Tatum, ISO, Tatum, ISO, Tatum, three, Tatum. Yeah, I just uh, there's not much more analysis than that. I mean, it's, just, it's just like Tatum dominated Embiid for eight straight minutes of basketball, and at that point, it got up to 25, 22 points. And then
2: the fourth quarter was just kind of dribbling out the basketball, like the Celtics. I thought. It was just, of- will Jason Tatum get to 50? And then once he got to 50 early, it was like, will he get to <laughs> 60? <laughs> and then he did not get close to 60. But he did set a Game 7 record with 51 points. Just an enormous performance from him. And I thought, um, like, right near the end of the first half, he hit a step-back three over, who was it? Um but it was that was when you he got up to twenty five points with that and you could tell like, oh he's feeling it, and uh, and that yeah. was I think that was like right after he had like he was
1: also just very good on the defensive end I think he created a lot of those turnovers especially when Embiid had the ball in the post Tatum came in and, he, and before that step back three he had stripped Embiid I thought he did a good job of like having active hands and being good on the on the defensive end um, the Celtics just played amazing tonight Al Horford was just do, like dominant against Joel Embiid and there was just a number of possessions where Embiid had him on the post just like one-on-one simple defense and he just made it extremely difficult for Embiid to like really get anything going whatsoever and he just continues to be you know pretty damn
2: amazing to get playing against Joel yeah I thought the Sixers had a couple of possessions in the second quarter where they had Oh, Embiid attacked early, and and Horford didn't handle it well. There was one play where it was like in transition, Embiid attacked on the left wing and just kind of drove right through him for a layup. And then there was another one. Horford, I believe he ended up fouling him. Other than that, the Celtics were super sharp in their defense on Embiid. Horford, I mean, he didn't shoot the ball well this series. Although the the three he hit. The three he hit in the second quarter, I think, was a big, big momentum. Felt like a, felt like a big one. They were
1: down like nine or ten at that point and kind of got the game closer. But according to like kind of the the ESPN tracking, Horford held Embiid to three of 16 when the, he was the primary defender in game seven. And so and Embiid didn't have it. Harden didn't have it. I don't know who else the the Sixers are supposed to turn to at that point. Like Maxi's he's just he's quite good, but not that not that guy. Tobias is not that guy. And then who else do they really have? De'Anthony Melton, the thought had
2: some nice. He had a, more, he had a nice great moments. first half. Yeah, uh, he had the tip in, and then he block. He had a great block. I think it was Jalen at the rim. Yeah, he he had Melton had some some really nice plays early. Honestly, it was him and Tucker early were really the reasons why the Celtics went down as big as they did. And I thought Harden, like as bad as his stat line looked. It was even
1: worse in person. No, no,
2: in that first half, he was picking them apart. He was finding open shooters, and and I I felt like, honestly, it, it looked to me like they figured some stuff out against the Celtics double big lineup, and then it just all went away it was like all of a sudden everything was harder for the 76ers and even like like Tucker had wide open shots and it felt like it did feel like they spent the last two days being like PJ you when you're open we need you to fire it because they are going to help all the way off you and and you are going to be wide open and sure enough Harden trusted him and he hit a bunch of threes early but the uh the trade-off for that for the Celtics was that they were able to keep Embiid and Harden from getting into any personal rhythm. And and eventually the the sec- Sixers supporting cast just kind of went away too. Can we talk about uh, the
1: absurd gamesmanship displayed by the <laughs> Philadelphia 76ers before this game? Just the the woge bomb two hours before the game that the the Sixers got – nine bit more calls or no the Celtics got nine more calls than the Sixers did uh in the game report I have a game report where there's probably like what 500 calls in a play like nine more is not an insignificant thing but somehow this is a, a thing we're tweeting about two hours before the game and just I'm gonna like obviously Daryl Morey like exchanged some sort of uh Story swap with Woj to get him to tweet this two hours before the game, right before, so it, it drops right, so everyone can ask Doc Rivers about it, and then Doc Rivers can say analytically uh they won Game Six and that like it's hard to recover from refereeing about Game Six. I listened to Sixers podcast after Game Six, and not one Sixer fan was complaining about the refs. Like that was not a story from that game whatsoever, and. There used to be honor in basketball. There used to be ethics. There used to be morality. And it was just, it was cowardly stuff from the 76ers to orchestrate all of this before the game. And you know what? It might have worked a little bit in the second quarter, but man, I'm sure Daryl Morey felt stupid for doing all this uh, sitting there in the fourth quarter.
2: That was. I mean, Daryl Morey teams. They do this stuff. They, they didn't have, have a
1: thing with the Warriors, like going to the
2: league about, like, calls and like submitting reports they they do not they do not take referee missed calls lightly they do not go quietly when the referee's miss a few calls i honestly didn't think the officiating in game 6 was that bad i did not it wasn't a thing no one was talking about the referees there, there wasn't anything six. from it that stood out that was like glaring to me um but, yeah, that was that was an interesting way to kick off the day. And it was, <laughs> it was just a hilarious move, honestly, to have Doc go in and say it's tough to recover from that.
1: It was well-orchestrated gamesmanship. Like, they, they got the Woj tweet out two hours before his hip, like, perfect timing, so Doc could speak on it. So then everyone could see the quotes from Doc and the Woj tweet. Uh, How
2: did you feel after that? As just a Celtics fan.
1: Great. I thought it was terrible karma for the 76ers. I thought it was utter basketball bullshit. And I thought they were just putting it out into ether. And I was like, I feel way better about this game because they're they're tempting the gods with tomfoolery and Ballyhoo. And it means they don't have it. It means they know they're going to the game with an exhausted Joel Embiid and a James Harden who doesn't show up. And so they're just trying to get the edge this way. And so – it pumped me up. I was, I was nervous heading into the game and I'm on the train and I see this, twi- this Woj bomb, and I, I, what, well, I'm a little, uh, I got a little upset, I got a little mad online. Uh, but then I was just, I was laughing because it was just so absurd and so ridiculous. And, and like, you don't have to comment on this as a professional journalist. Why is this news, Woj? Why are you tweeting this? Like, this report that came out Friday, you're choosing to, like make make it a news story two hours before the game. I'm just saying, when Doc Rivers gets fired this off season, we're gonna know who we're gonna know who's gonna get that scoop. Anything that comes out of Philadelphia this off season, there's gonna be someone getting that scoop, and it's gonna be uh, an ESPN reporter. That's all I'm saying. I'm saying there's a, it's a quid pro quo. It's a classic situation. I don't have the smoking gun yet, but you peel back the layers and it feels fairly obvious. They did it in plain sight. They they didn't even try to hide it. <laughs>
2: it, it really was a wild bo- and especially because did he say anything about the refs after game six did doc no no one was did it, or was just this this just something that like just bubbled up later
1: this was an organizational just like we are going to do some gamesmanship before game six because Yes, James Harden is, uh, I think two and eleven now in games ref by Scott Foster. Yes, Eric Lewis, uh, I guess his family is from Boston. And so they are Celtics fans. And yes, the Celtics have like a 600 record in games Eric Lewis, uh, referees, but just the, the, the methodical gamesmanship is just dirty tricks. It was, it was dirty tricks. And you know what? They put bad karma out there and they got their asses kicked. And so I think they deserve everything they did. It's obvious. He has a history. Daryl Warrior teams have a history of this kind of shenanigans. <laughs>
2: <laughs> They've submitted reports to the it, league before. I, I honestly thought Doc Rivers, when he got asked about it, was just going to kind of downplay it, deflect. We got other things to focus on, but oh no. Oh, no, he got the
1: message from the top. The, oh the, no. <laughs> the Department of Propaganda and Misinformation sent out the marching I- orders to everyone. Brandon Chin's definitely involved. I think he's uh, in on this conspiracy as well as a, as a PR team. Should, I'm going to uh, confront him after the game because it's absolutely absurd to try and pull off what they did. That was
2: uh, – if it had been a close game, it, that could have been a thing. Like people would have been furious online one way or another. Whoever had won, Sixers fans could have been like, see, Doc, Doc, and, Doc told you – the refs were biased. The refs were doing this. And then if Celtics fans had lost, it would have been like, the refs were out to get us because of what the yeah. 76ers said beforehand. So it was for the best that it was a blowout one way or another, just so that was not a storyline. Uh, but it was hilarious way to enter a game seven, just with with the focus on the officiating in a game that, there really wasn't a focus on the officiating, although Jalen Brown did say he liked the refs after Game <laughs> Six, so maybe that was a
1: sign. Oh, that maybe that's what uh, really just like caused Maury to be so upset. Uh, I guess to transition into the junk portion of the evening, unless you have other uh, brilliant game analysis, because you are a brilliant basketball mind.
2: Should we go to the Heat discussion first, junk, and then Heat? I think we should not even talk about the heat. Well, we got just a brief discussion about the heat today, and then then we 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 go
1: more about the heat tomorrow. Okay, that's fair.
0: Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more.
1: On paper, the Heat last year had much more talent on that team than this version of the Heat. They don't have P.J. Tucker. They don't have Victor Oladipo, who's actually had some good moments for them in that series. Is Tyler Hero still hurt? Uh, Unclear. I thought there was, like, when he first got hurt, there was, like, four to six weeks, so he could potentially come back. But the Heat – Played very well against the choke artist Milwaukee Bucks. Then played just a garbage basketball team in the New York Knicks. And so the Celtics are much more talented. Are the better basketball team. The series will go seven games. (laughs) (laughs) The, uh... we'll, We'll see... Like they're gonna, like they should win. They're the better team. They should show up. Eric Spoelstra is the best coach in the league. They're going to have adjustments. It's going to be some gross basket, like dirty, grimy basketball. The Heat are very good at like forcing turnovers. They're a very physical team. Freaking Cody Martin is gonna hit uh, an obscene amount of shots just because I'm always, I've always been a huge Cody Martin fan. But Cody uh, Martin is, it's Caleb, isn't it? No, no, Cody's going to play. I don't know. One of the Martins. Are you? <laughs> it Caleb? Yeah, I think it's Caleb. Those uh they're twins. Literally
2: of the people are confused. C Martin. you you got me you got me second guessing <laughs> which Martin it is now. I think yeah, no, it is Caleb. Yeah. I, I second guess myself just because you were so confident. I was Cody very confident. Martin. But they do have another Cody twin. Cody's out. They're twins everywhere. Zeller's a twin? I mean, brother. Another brother.
1: That's fair. I hope, like, Zeller and uh, has actually been a pretty decent pickup for them. But it's going to depend on, like, how, how many games is Bam going to show up? How many games is Jimmy actually going to show up? Because what J- Jimmy Butler does in a series is he has three games where he's amazing and then a couple games where he scores six points and everyone goes, play off Jimmy, play off Jimmy. So if they can control that, where, like, you know, you win the four games where he scores 15 points. They, like, they honestly should win the series. They should probably do it in six games or less. The Celtics learned last year that they can't mess around or they'll find out. They messed around and found out in this series, like, is it in their DNA to, like, just, like, be the better basketball team and not
2: not have a a colossal screw-up? Is this going to be a double-big series, I think you go back the other way. Because Kevin Love cannot guard anyone in the Celtics starting lineup. And if you have Kevin Love trying to guard the perimeter, that should go so poorly for the Heat. And the Heat just don't have a good
1: offense in the half court where you can probably get away with it more. Like, they're not going to just... Like, I think you... Like, obviously... uh Joel Embiid is a much more like of an offensive talent than Bam is. I guess when Bam decides to, that's the other thing about the Heat. Like they have a bunch of guys who just like aren't there for the entire series. Bam will have thirty in one game and then also do the thing where he has twelve. But you can guard Bam with one guy and you can surround him by wings and uh, guards. And so I agree with you. You probably go back to it, but I don't, but I don't know. know because like it feels know. like you've got a lot of uh, just energy and burst, and so. I feel like it's the type of thing you start double big, but then you probably only have to stick to that for like the first six minutes of the game. And then you see a lot more Derek white. Here's the thing is Derek white going to show up because they Joe really went away from him in this series. It felt like, all right, we're going to bring in Rob off the bench. We're going to go double big. But then if we have a smaller lineup, it's pretty much going to be Malcolm Brogdon up there. And I feel like Derek white has lost some of his, Confidence. Um, he's definitely just not as aggressive trying to score and his like floaters or getting into the paint as he was in the regular season. And so, does the the Heat matchup kind of allow Derek White to recapture the kind of the confidence and, and things like that?
2: Yeah, I mean there there will be decisions for Joe Missoula to make. The Heat. I'm just wildly impressed by them being in the conference finals at all. They were bad this year. Legitimately, a bad basketball. That should count for something. That's what I like about basketball is that, like,
1: normally the talent rises to the top, and that, like, and the regular season matters somewhat because there's like continuity and you get used to playing with certain guys. And generally, uh, there's a reason why eight seeds or underdogs don't have that a lot of uh, success going into the playoffs. I do think they. Caught a hurt Giannis and then absolutely the, the Bucks definitely choked. But the Knicks, if just watching those games, they didn't have anyone good other than Jalen Brunson, and so it wasn't like the Heat were
2: extremely bad. He just really packed the paint, dared them to shoot it, and I, like it's tough to dare this Celtics team to shoot because they will, they want to shoot. They're
1: actually that was, I think, one of the issues uh, for them in the first quarter of this game, was they weren't shooting enough threes, they were driving too much and, like, not spraying the ball around. And so I think against this version of the Celtics, you're right. Like, their smaller lineups should thrive and it make it so Kevin Love can't be on the court and they'll have to play. How mad are you going to be at Kyle Lowry? Extremely. But, like, you kind of respect <laughs> it at this point. Like, he is a known grifter. I love he's the Kyle best Lowry. in the game. Like Kyle Lowry is
2: one of the greatest competitors who ever lived.
1: But he's, like, he's he's diminished at this point. He's coming off the bench. But they're going to have to play, like, smaller. So, you imagine it's, like, Kyle Lowry, Jimmy, some combination of a Martin, a Struce, a Gabe Vincent, and then Bam. And, like, that just doesn't feel like that team has enough offensive firepower to compete with this version of the Celtics. That being said, seven-game series.
2: <laughs> 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 that being said, seven-game series probably three of the most frustrating games Celtics fans have ever witnessed. Definitely two losses at home. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, no, no doubt about it. Probable game one loss.
2: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. No, like pretty good chance of a game one loss on Wednesday night. And like just a stunning loss, not just a regular old loss. They're going to have one like, dumb loss. Where they just don't have the energy. One
1: loss where they like crap the game away with like up up eight with four minutes left and then they'll figure it out in seven
2: the thing that to me will really dictate the series or how much of a chance Miami has in the series is whether the Celtics can just take care of the basketball if they can get shots on most possessions and not give the Heat free points then I think they'll be in very good shape. But the Heat are great at turning you over. They're great at mucking the game up. They're great oh. at Kyle Lowry coming in and flying in and taking charges. The amount of
1: stupid zones they're going to play.
2: They're oh, going to yeah. have like four different zones for the Celtics. There will be a lot of times when Joe Mazzulla tells the media, just shoot it. Shoot it over the top of the zone.
1: Yeah, and Celtics will, uh, won't happen.
2: But we'll talk about that more uh, in the week. Yeah, we'll break that down more later in the week
1: um terrible challenge by Joe Mazzula in this game of a goaltending call i blame matt reynolds uh he was probably screaming that they need to review it I sometimes it's them. not on matt reynolds they they switch up the
2: review guy or joe is just going No broke. so 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 matt gives the advice and then it's joe's call so sometimes matt will say one thing and joe will go the other way joe would be like i know what i saw that was not a goaltend
1: it just didn't make any sense to give up your ch- Like, I know it was a 20 point game at that point. We uh, were getting onto the junk portion of the league, but like, just a wild decision there. Yeah. yeah. not the greatest. Daniel Tice was here. He was. Daniel Tice. I saw him hanging out in the hallway after the he, game he talking heard about Brent. a war on refs, and
3: he had to be there.
2: <laughs> <laughs> he had to. It's like he supported it. He heard the 76ers were waging a, a war on refs, and he knew he had to fight, join the cause. Yeah.
1: Uh, he, he was in the hallway after the game. People seemed way thrilled to see him. Uh, you know, maybe Joel B was a little intimidated with Tice in the crowd. Who knows? Uh, we got some homicidal Jalen, which that would have gone down. The garden would have exploded. He got fouled on that. Uh, the Hay... Or, Hey, 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 goodbye, Chan. was fantastic. I love that at the end of the game.
2: Yeah, that's that's always a good high school favorite, you know. I do, uh, like, yeah, yeah, sure. Um Gino time
1: with three minutes left. I still think should have put in Blake. Blake is the new Gino time. Joe Missoula doesn't even know who Gino is, but the folks know who Blake are is. Blake are? Blake are the folks know who <laughs> Blake are.
2: Um yeah, it's all junk I have. I feel like it just got It was kinda... a lot of junk. It was a it was a game 7. Game 7s have a lot of energy, a lot of tension, not a lot of junk. How about this stat for you? In their
1: last 3 playoff games for the Philadelphia 76ers, fourth quarter stats. James Harden, 0 points, 0 made field goals, 0 free throws made.
2: He had 0 points
1: in games five, because they didn't play game. game okay, so winner.
2: so that doesn't count if he doesn't play in it. Twitter
1: Twitter gets crazy. Who is the comparison player? Ben Simmons in his last three games: five points, zero field goals, five uh, made free throws. Did you see Ben Simmons's Instagram? Yeah, drinking a bottle of wine in a very oddly uh, staged living room. Do you notice the wall placement of his television?
3: Very no, off center. It was not. very
1: concerning. Plus, like, it was, it just didn't feel like a place that should be, have a television. I had a bunch of people tell me he had, he had bad furniture, but uh, odd, odd scene. But yeah, I guess go off Ben Simmons. It's not like he did anything or he's at all in the playoffs or was a successful basketball player this year, but he had himself a nice little Sunday.
2: You know, I feel like <laughs> it's tough to be the guy. It, it had to be a victory lap, right? like he w- he was smoking the 76ers pack as Ooh, they said. Yes, yes Mark Jones. Uh, <laughs> that had to be the case. But I feel like you can't do that when you barely played at all this season. You did not play in your own team's playoff series and your team got trounced by the same Sixers. It, 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 it rubbed me the wrong Ben's way.
1: Ben Simmons' questionable
2: decision making continues. Yeah, I, I just thought for it, he he should have been silent in another fourth quarter playoff situation this time, but he he decided to make noise in the fourth quarter for once, and it was a bad decision. I I enjoyed it personally. Um,
1: Paul Pierce on Twitter after the game, he said something about Jason Tatum being awesome. Someone quote tweets him and says, he's better than you ever were. And Paul Pierce quote tweets him as just saying, duh. Which I thought was like a bold take for like an old timer. Especially I feel like Paul Pierce like says some wild things. Like I was the closest to LeBron when we both played. Like some old time players have some irrational confidence for him to just come out and be like, yeah, Jason Tatum's objectively better than I ever was. That was a cool kind of passing the throne. I liked it. Jason Tatum is better than Paul Pierce. I concur. Pierce never made first team on NBA, right? Not that I can remember. Did he make it in 08? He didn't make first-team in 08. He does have a championship, though. He does have a championship. Um, that's all the the, uh, the junk I have. I did like Jason Tatum's uh, pink short sleeve button-down shirt. I thought that was just a strong look for him. I thought I he mean,
2: looked like he was ready to bowl at 220. Yeah, go. it was a great
1: bowling league <laughs> shirt. <laughs> With the chains and the white uh, shirt underneath. His post-game is just like... He literally is the same guy, whether like after game five and game seven, like it was this kind of like the similar personality. It's just like pretty impressive how even keeled he can be after having a terrible loss in game five and then setting the playoff game seven record.
2: Um, we also have to discuss just like the overall resilience of this team. 'Cause the wins that they've piled up in elimination games over the last two years is crazy. Crazy game six in Milwaukee against the defending champs and the MVP. With Giannis just being like, he was not tired at all, just like kept coming. And he like, was a
1: force. They came back from that game and Jason Tatum scored sixteen points in the fourth quarter to like he was great in the first half, but like they were down in the fourth quarter of that game and like the Celtics were resilient and kept winning. And then they won game seven of that then series. Then they won
2: game seven of that series. The then game seven in Milwaukee, where they controlled almost the whole game until in almost Miami. almost coughing it up in Miami. Um that's when they were kind then of crazy ended. Th- this series like I'll tell you what, people overlook the 76ers I I probably didn't have as much respect as I should have for the 76ers just because of the way they've gone out in the playoffs recently and because of the way Harden looked toward the end of the regular season and in their first-round playoff series. They were a bear for the Celtics to guard. They were a bear for the Celtics to play against. Embiid required so much from them, and uh, they were tough too. Like, Philly came back from a lot in this series too. This was a great, great basketball series. This was two really good teams. Um, And, and there was like, the Celtics had to reach a really high level and figure some stuff out about themselves to, to steal this, not steal it, to walk away with this series. And, and once they did it, like they, they played just an amazing third quarter but it, it took everything to get there.
1: I feel like there's, there's reason to be more confident in this team down the stretch of games, given what they've won, just like went through last year, talk about the resiliency. But like game six in Atlanta, final four minutes, it was like boom, boom, boom. We're going to make the plays. We're winning the series. We're going to end it. Um, game four in this series, I thought they just did a good job of like getting back into the game, despite the, the mess-ups at the end of like, they figured out, like, we're playing basketball the right way. We're going to get stops. We're going to get back into the game. Similar thing happened in game six. And then I think they basically started doing that in, in the second quarter of this game and then just absolutely dominated in game three. And so they certainly have the ability, like, once they feel like they figure it out, to just, like, go out there and execute. And it thinks like, that's going to be the interesting thing about – this series upcoming with the heat is like how, how soon can they figure it out? And can they like just put things together and then just go out there and execute their game. And it's why like in this series, losing game one was such a kind of colossal mistake for them. Cause it just extended the series in a way where like, they're pretty damn good in game one. They shot 75% from the field to open up the first half. It just happened that D'Anthony Melton also like was six of six from three. Like they, it's not like they were really like bad in that, but they just kind of like, we're not great late, but I do think like given this team, like they're just having the ability to adjust and eventually yeah, they're going to make the right play and no figure out how to like play winning
2: basketball. I also feel like the reaction about this Celtics team has been really weird to me. It just feels like because they're so good, people expect it's going
1: to be easy. Like, and no playoff run has been easy except, like,
2: the Lakers with Shaq and Kobe. And and so when they lose to the 76ers at home, it, I think people were just fed up with the Celtics team, like, just as a whole. And I really thought it was just they got tight in that game and were kind of shell-shocked because the 76ers hit them with just, like, this – unbelievable first half where Embiid and everybody else just played great. And they missed all their open threes. Yeah. And, and so I, I just think this 76ers team was really good. Like, that was a really good team. Harden played. That's the best version of the Sixers the Celtics have, like, have, have ever played. Yeah, not even close. Not even close. And, like, they had the MVP. They had Harden who played – at a super high level in two of the games. I thought game six, for the most part, he was good. And like, he just has a way of engineering offense and keeping him in the half court. And I, I just felt like for the Celtics, like that was a lot to play against those two guys. It took, it took, and the the Sixers, they have a lot of tough dudes. Like, the fourth quarter of game 4 76ers absolutely could have folded they got down 105-100 made all the plays down the stretch harden made a bunch of them tucker hit the, or had the offensive rebound like that was a tough team that was a really good team and uh for whatever reason people just think the celtics should have an easy road and they've definitely made their road more difficult over the years, and I think the one game in this series they would really like to have back is that game one when Embiid didn't play, but other than that, like you just gotta survive a lot in playoff series, no matter who you are you have to survive a lot and just keep going, and the Celtics have a, a real gift for that, and they've been able to find their best when it's necessary except late in the finals last year against the Dynasty why well, do I feel like in two weeks from now we're gonna be sitting in the
1: same room and you're just gonna be like, I probably o- overlooked the Heat a little bit, but
2: they're a good basketball team, and I no, I, respect- they, <laughs> I, I <laughs> you did the exact same thing with the Hawks. Thing. I, I never, I haven't even said anything like that about the Heat.
1: Yeah, but I'm saying, did, yeah, and now you're like Sixers are a great basketball team. I think you're just gonna kind of have the same takeaway that playoffs uh, playoff basketball is hard, and it's hard to win in the league. And that you should respect the team that lost. And maybe, I'm just just saying, that you might be no, a key respecter.
2: If anyone listens to the Athletic NBA show, I have already bowed down to the heat. I have bowed down to heat culture. Eric Spolstra is the greatest alive right now as a coach. Pat Riley's a fake Italian. And, and they, they're going to make things really tough on the Celtics. The Celtics should win the series. Think that's pretty clear. They have more talent, they're a better offensive team, they have more options, they're they should win. But Jimmy Butler, Spolstra, Kyle Lowry, there's something about those guys, man. Those are three of the greatest competitors alive, including Spolstra. I'll throw him in the gritty competitor. Who do you think's a better competitor, Spolstra or Jimmy? Oh, that's a great question i I feel like they're both just the same type of maniac.
1: Jalen just posted this on Instagram with the is uh George Niang grabbing his uh leg with the caption "Energy is shifting with a big circle around the grab and it's interesting because Jalen went like very far out of his way to be like, I work out with George." He's a great guy. Just thinking like completely let him off the hook, got caught up in the moment. Maybe he's just selling, like showing Scott Foster like he didn't deserve that tech there. But <laughs> Jalen was funny post-game too. Not really like that funny, but like athlete funny. Like he got to go to a lot of good laugh lines. Uh, um, that Scott Foster line just maybe it was funny because everyone knows Scott Foster is not good at his
2: job. Scott Foster is very good at his job. That's why he always gets the big game. Oh, that's why. <laughs> yeah. All right. Any more junk from
1: uh, from this game? Any more observations? Like we said, we'll be back to talk more about the Eastern Conference Finals, which is starting Wednesday night here in Boston, Game 1. But any more observations from a Wild Game 7?
2: That was – the third quarter was just crazy. It was crazy. Jason Tatum was just crazy. It was just crazy. Sometimes you just sit there and it's like, wow. And if they go on to win the, the championship, which they could. It's on the table. It's definitely the, they what they're going for. The stretch he had from the last five minutes of Game 6 to the end of Game 7 will be... Remembered for a long, long time. Because he was dreadful. (laughs) In game six. Absolutely dreadful over the first 43 minutes of game six. Made one. And then was just like, you know what? Humbly, I'm one of the greatest players in the world. And he's not wrong. From that point on, he owned the series. He just put on the single greatest scoring performance in game 7 history which is crazy and that was that game 6 was a it, you sh- I showed up to that game and I was like no matter what happens tonight this will be remembered and it was just a gritty grimy game for 43 minutes and Tatum just Picked it up out of the grime and carried a, carried the Celtics to the finish line, and then showed up tonight and just absolutely dominated from the start. It was an incredible four and a half quarters from him. Well, just we'll give him five quarters. Two of the five quarters, he
1: single handedly outscored the 76ers. He did that in game, fourth quarter of game six and the third quarter of this game. Like that's just what you want from your star player. Your All-NBA person, you're humbly one of the best players.
2: And it was crazy because if those last four minutes, if the game had stopped five minutes earlier in game six, they lose, he is getting getting shitted on, absolutely mutilated, just ruined by everyone. They are dragging his name. They are saying he doesn't have the clutch gene. They are saying he doesn't have the killer instinct. They are saying it's there would be so many questions about him and then he just absolutely dominated the rest of the series he just stood up and answered the bell
1: i did um that's gonna do it for us i'm gonna i just want to thank the celtics for winning um because i uh you know i got some time off i just finished my semester got a couple weeks before my internship if they lost I don't do great with unstructured time. I don't know what I would have done myself. I have nothing to do. And so I'm very glad. I would have fallen into a deep, deep depression. And so I appreciate the Celtics for, you know, like lifting me out of that. So thank you, Jason Tatum. A tip of the cap to you, sir, uh, for, you know, con- po- contributing positively to my mental health. Um, That's going to do it for us, folks. We're going to keep podcasting. We'll keep going after every single Celtics playoff game, of which there'll be seven in this series. You can hear it from me first.
2: Hear it from me first.
1: Oh, I don't even butchering it. Anything's potable, guys. Anything's potable.
3: Really, really goofed up that ending. <laughs>